Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Thank you, bro, for the songs. It's, uh, sometimes very difficult to express what needs to be expressed. There is so much to talk about God, about his Christ, and the words often fail us. I know they fail me. And uh, sometimes the songs do a much better job. And they are obviously given to us by God. There's a purpose for them that our minds and hearts will be stirred up when we sing the truths of God. We're in this series of lessons remembering our beginnings. And we've gone back here in the book of Acts to our roots, to the beginning of the church, the body of Christ, of which we are a part. And as we said, we do not want to get away from our roots, from our original purposes, the design for which God has brought the body of Christ into being. But we do have one master to serve, Jesus the Christ. We have his word, and we're to accept him as Lord in all things. We have a message to take to the world that he gave his life for the sins of the world, that he came back from the dead, and all can have a part in that and not have to fear death, but look forward to life, life eternal. And we've been given a miss, mission to take that message to all people. As we read, uh, you know, make disciples of all the nations. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. The repentance and remission of sin should be preached to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so forth and so on. And this immediately, this little group of 120 or so, as we've been studying, took that message to heart. And uh, they waited in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit came, and the apostles were empowered. They stood up, and Peter preached that day that the one whom they had crucified, that God had made him Lord in Christ, having raised him from the dead. And they were all cut to the heart and said, what shall we do? And says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that promises to you and your children, to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. That includes us. We're the, of the group that are far off. And so we rejoice in that. And immediately we see, and I'm going to read 46 and 47 in chapter 2, how this group began to live differently. And when we wrap up this series, we're going to come back to this section and a couple other places here in uh, these chapters and look at this body and how they functioned in fellowship together. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, Breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You read about that and you say, well, who wouldn't want to be a part of that group? So many blessings, immediate blessings, fellowship, love, you're accepted, and plus the future, you're right with God, you have peace with God, you have a future home. These disciples, as we're going to see here in chapter 3 as we move forward, began to interact with the world as Jesus told them to do. But not everyone welcomed them, nor welcomed their message. And that's true today, isn't it? We're going to see that unfold in our lesson, Lord willing, next week. They would be opposed. The battle would be joined between good and evil, between truth and the lie. It's the battle we still fight today. It began back then. We're going to look in Acts 3 here as Peter and John will model this new people before the world as they go out into the community. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. Peter and John continuing here their, their Jewish practice, going to the temple to pray at a certain hour. And we have the lame man here, uh, lame from his mother's womb, as it says. I just wanted to point out, uh, it's interesting how sometimes we have heard in the past and sometimes we just read quickly and we don't pause to look at what it really says in the scripture. You've probably heard lessons preached along the line where this man was sitting there begging alms and he asked alms of Peter and John. That isn't what it says, is it? It says he was being carried along. And he was the one they used to set. And I presume that's what they were doing. They were carrying him along to carry him up to his place by this gate where he, they would put him down to beg for alms. So just a little thing there that I know we miss some of these things. We don't read carefully. And so it's like he's walking, there, somebody's carrying him along and they're walking along and it's like side by side and he's going to get started early here. So he uh, kind of looking at them, uh, it says he began asking to receive alms from them. Now I just want to take a little aside and let's go to Luke 13. You know, we, we think about the man born lame from his mother's womb. And we realize there are many people today born with disability from their mother's womb. And immediately, well, often, many, the world always say, why did God do that? 
Why did God let that happen? God is always the one who gets blamed. God is not to blame. Let's look in Luke 13 at the words of our Savior. And here he has a situation. It's about healing on the Sabbath, and they're in 10 to 17. I'm not going to read all this. Again, I encourage you to go home and read this yourself. The woman has a, says 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit, I presume an unclean spirit, bent over double, couldn't straighten up. Larry, she couldn't straighten up. Yeah, she's up, bent over. And uh, Jesus heals her. He says, woman, you're freed from your sickness and laid hands on her. And she stands and glorifies God. And well, now the synagogue official gets all indignant, it says, because he's healing on the Sabbath. You know, that was always a big thing. And they were saying, that's work. And trying to apply that, that law from the Torah, that's work, and you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. And Jesus dealt with this in many places in the Gospels. But I want us to look here, look at 15. The Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? Which was true. And he's saying, you know, you don't call that work. You know, you have to water your animals on the Sabbath. You don't call that work. So why are you calling this work when I just healed this woman? Notice what he says. And this woman, the daughter of Abraham as she is, who obviously means more important than an animal, than a donkey, she's a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years. There's the point we want to see. Satan has done this. And we've got to remember that. You know, even the world out there, even the atheists talk about God. Did you ever notice that? The atheists blame God. Talk about hypocrites. But they do. They blame God for evil, for wickedness, for wars, for diseases. But they don't believe in him. Anyway, that's another lesson. But here's what Jesus says. Satan bound this woman. He's the one that brought all this into the world besides our own Sin, you know, listening to what he had to say. Should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? So just pointing that out. Let's acknowledge that Satan is the one behind all this evil. And not just stand there and let people punch us in the face and take the blame for God. Okay? Let's do that. God is not our enemy. God is not our enemy. Satan is. Verse 4. Back in Acts 3. Verse 4. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. All right? Now you look, at, look right at us now. Here we are. He began to give him his attention, expecting to receive something from them, you know. He's asking for alms. Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were straightened. 
Okay. Peter and John were on their way to the temple, right? They were going to pray. Can't be anything better in the world than to go to the temple and pray, right? It's a holy thing. It's a righteous thing. It's something they needed to do, something God wanted them to do. Go pray. And so uh, when the man begged for alms, what did they do? Did they say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm busy. I'm on the way to the temple to pray. I don't have time for you right now. They didn't do that, did they? Here was an opportunity that God placed, as we would say, right under their noses. An opportunity to do good. And they seized upon it. Because they were now Christ's. And they understood what Christ Jesus was about. They had been with him. They had seen what he did from day to day to day. He didn't turn anybody away. And so they're simply walking in his footsteps. He wanted alms. But they had something better, didn't they? And by the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, they were able to give him a complete healing, and he stood up and walked, praise the Lord. Now, let's just put ourselves in this picture or a similar picture today, shall we say, when we have an opportunity. Now, we can't heal. We don't have that power, do we? So I've got some things here, you know, if we're given a situation, maybe it is somebody that's sick, it's somebody in need, whatever that might be, first of all, we've got to have the heart. We're taught in so many places, be ready for every good work. They were obviously ready. And the readiness starts, first of all, in the heart. That I'm going to be about Jesus' business. That's where it starts. The first thing we can ever do for anybody, as we've said, is to pray with them. And we don't really necessarily need to say, well, I'll go home and pray for you. Let's pray right now. Let's pray right here, wherever that happens to be. Don't be afraid and don't be ashamed to pray. Is there anything that we can help them with, whatever that might be? Need to ask. Don't know. And then they need to get the story of Jesus, as we're going to see Peter and John unfold this. They need to hear that right there. I'm doing this because I, I'm a follower of Jesus. They need to hear that. We're going to mention that in a minute. And then somehow support them. If they need some kind of support, emotional support, uh, you know, fellowship, friendship, you know, this all gets back to the, this, as we've seen already in two places, this one mind devotion to Christ. They were of one mind and one soul, not only with one another, but that meant they were focused on Christ Jesus. That's where the one mind came from. They were in tune with Christ about life. 
And that's why they could be in one mind, because they were all in tune with Christ. Let's go quickly there to Galatians 6 and 9. And we could go to other places. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So there's the challenge. You know, that's, that's the kind of people we are. You know, I don't... You know, sometimes we look at these things and say, well, it's a commandment to do it, but really what that is, Paul is saying, this is the kind of thing that the people of Christ will do. We're ready. As we have opportunity, we do good. We help people. That's exactly what Peter and John did here as they came out and were interacting in, as we would say, in the community. Okay, back to Acts 3.9. And all people saw him walking, praising God, taking note he had been the one used to sit at the beautiful gate. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. That's exactly what it should have happened. God is being glorified. Okay? Not Peter and John, but God. It's an amazing thing here. There's a wonderful thing is happening. It's the desired outcome. Again, Matthew 5. You probably get tired of me turning to this one too. Like John 1. 5.13. I'm going to read starting with 5.13. You are the salt of the earth. Listen to those words. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And what he's saying is, as Christians, we are the ones that make life, the hard parts of life, more palatable for people. Because everybody has difficulties, and we're to be the ones to, to help them through the difficulties. You are the light of the world. Jesus isn't with us anymore, okay? Now, he's here in the book, the written word of God. But you are the light of the world. So many people won't even open this book. They'll never open it. So how will they ever see Christ? Well, here's the answer. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. You know, how many Christians really are putting their light under the basket? They're hiding under the table, in their front rooms, whatever. And they're not interacting with people in need whether of the congregation or whether out in the community in the neighborhood. You put it under a basket, you can't see it. It's so simple. The Word of God is so simple if we just listen to it and follow it. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Not glorify you, but your Father. That's what this is about. Because we belong to him. We belong to Christ. Acts 3. So they took care of this man's need, his, his uh, infirmity. God healed him through Peter. Stand up and walk. He did. So now they go on to the next part that is probably more important than the first part, except they go together. They go together. The good work. And now listen. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why do you gaze at us as if our own power or piety had made him walk? He said that they're saying this is not about us. We, re we really didn't do this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. There's a little straight truth they still needed to hear. You know, this is not too far removed from Pentecost. We don't know how far. It could have been the next day. It could have been the next week. It's not too far removed. A lot of people still needed to hear about Jesus. They still need to hear today. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. They needed to hear that truth. You put him to death. This is something when we interact with people, we need to remind them of. We're all sinners. We have a sin that needs to be dealt with, and that's why Jesus came. Sometimes we're reluctant to say that. We shouldn't be reluctant to say that because it's a truth they need to hear. You can say it calmly, peaceably, in love. We're not judging. We're just stating facts. We all need a Savior. We all need Christ. 16, on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And so the name of Jesus here is glorified by Peter. It's in his name that's why this man is standing before you whole when he's able to walk and uh, leap about and so forth. Faith in his name. This one that God raised from the dead. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him to God the Father. I, I know I haven't done that always. In not saying that this was done in the name of Christ 
it often will come back that it was me that did it. And that's not right. Because I serve Christ Jesus. There is never a time that I don't serve Christ Jesus. Okay? Whether I'm doing something good for Shirley at home or for one of Ryan or Logan, somebody in the neighborhood helping them with a project, I'm serving Christ Jesus. That's why I'm doing it. It's not me. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. He says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me all the time. All the time. And whenever I don't do what's right, I'm rebelling against Christ who's living in me. I'm grieving the Holy Spirit that's living in me. So we need to exalt that name of Christ and, and mention him as we do good things. It's because of him, because of him that we do what we do. Verse 17. So Peter has kind of given them, if you will, the, the bad news, the harsh news. You, you killed the Savior. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One. God raised him up. But now he's going to give them the good news. And now, brother, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. It's been done. God did it. Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you. Time to repent. Time to have a different view of this Jesus whom you killed, you helped kill. Time to have a different view of this Jesus whom you're not serving, who you think is not a real person, who you think God did not raise from the dead. It's time to change your mind about him. That God did all these things. And he did it for you. So you might have forgiveness and salvation. whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. There is the long-range promise, the restoration of all things. We read about it in Romans chapter 8, the new heavens and new earth in Revelation. It's going to be restored. A new place to live, for us to live, in that spiritual body. This is what God has in store for those who serve him. Verse 22, as we finish it out, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. That's from Deuteronomy 18. Another prophecy fulfilled as we saw the three prophecies back on the day of Pentecost. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. That's what will happen, utter destruction for those who do not follow Christ. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers. 
saying to Abraham and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's a promise, a promise fulfilled that was given to Abraham way back. Probably 2,000 years before this or so. In you, Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Came to pass in Christ Jesus. God kept his promise. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. And we see that God has been faithful in all of this. And our roots go way back, even to Abraham. Even to the garden where God made the promise. One will be coming to crush the head of Satan. And he sent the Christ. We're going to stop there. Lord willing, we're going to look in chapter 4 next time. But we're going to see that that message that Peter gave was not well received by everybody. In fact, it was opposed. And they eventually will pay a price for that. Our roots run deep. Historically, earthly, back to these men who were with Christ Jesus. Back to this little congregation in Jerusalem. We're related to them historically, spiritually, through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Peter and John grabbed the opportunity here to do good. And they glorified the name of Jesus. And they gave him the good news that he was raised from the dead. And we're called to walk like they did, to walk in their footsteps. Do the same thing. As we've said before, it's not, it's not difficult, but we make it difficult. We just don't go ahead and do it. We have to think about it. We have to talk about it. We have to worry about it. We have to fret about it. Just do it and let God work. If anyone this morning wants to respond to Jesus Christ, the one who was raised from the dead, the one promised from the very beginning, this is what is going on on this planet and has always been going on on this planet from the, from the very get-go, as we would say. You know, we get all caught up in... Russia and the United States and North Korea and other things, and not that those don't matter. But that's not the focus of the world, folks. The focus of the world is the kingdom of God and the saving of souls. That's the focus. That's what we're to be about. Sure, we can pray about these other things. Yeah, we live here, but we're to be the light and the salt to bring people to Jesus. Because as we saw in, in Daniel chapter 7, it's this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, that's going to go on into eternity. Not Russia, not the United States, not Mexico, not Canada, not North Korea, or any other nation you want to name. They are not going to go on into eternity. But the kingdom of heaven will. Are you part of the kingdom of heaven? invite you to respond to the gospel. If you are a Christian, 
you're struggling with living the life of Christ, we can pray with you this morning. If you need help with that, we're available, meaning Mike, Mike, myself, Rick, Dawn, to talk through that, to pray with you. What, what do you need to do? However you want to respond this morning, please come while we stand and sing.